Welcome to the Christ Community Church Podcast. This teaching was recorded live during our weekend service in St. Charles, Illinois. We invite you to join us in person any weekend in St. Charles, DeKalb, Aurora, or Streamwood. Learn more at ccclife.org. And now, enjoy the message. Well, I'd like to take a little poll among the men here today, okay? So all the guys who attend Christ Community Church, let's say uh, teenager and older, all right? But if you're in St. Charles or watching in DeKalb right now, Streamwood, you folks in Streamwood, Aurora, I'm going to make a bunch of statements about guys, descriptive statements, and if I'm describing you, I'm going to ask you to stand up and sit back down, all right? So let's get started. Two kinds of guys who attend Christ Community Church. All right, two kinds. There are those who know how to cook and those who don't. So if you're a chef, okay, I want you to stand up. If you're pretty good at cooking, just stand up. To, all right, good. I was looking to see if the women sitting next to you agreed with your assessment. Okay, maybe not. Two kinds of guys at Christ Community Church. There are, are those who drive pickup trucks and those of us who envy you who drive pickup trucks. So if you, if you drive a pickup truck, stand for a minute. Oh, yeah. yeah. You guys probably listen to country music too, don't you? Uh, two kinds of guys at Christ Community Church. There are those who know how to ballroom dance, and there are those who don't know the difference between a, a tango and a foxtrot. So if you've taken ballroom dancing lessons and you could glide across the floor, come on, let's see who you are. Come on, whoa, whoa, yeah, yeah, some other guys just got elbowed, right? Why can't you do that, you know? Two kinds of guys who attend Christ Community Church. There are those who golf, and there are those of us who prefer not to ruin a good walk by chasing a little ball around. So if you're a golfer, how many golfers? Stand up, stand up, good, good. A lot of golfers. Two kinds of guys who attend Christ Community Church. There are those who cheer for the Cubbies, and there are traitors. So if you're a Cubs fan, Cubs fan, let's see who you are. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, look with disdain at those who are seated. Right. Two kinds of guys at Christ Community Church. There are those who follow friends on Facebook, and there are those who would rather watch paint dry. Okay? So if you're into social media, let's see who you are. Come on, you do social media stuff, admit it. All right, all right, good, good. Here's another one. Two kinds of guys at Christ Community Church. There are those who love giving flowers, okay, to their wife, to their mom, to their girlfriend, whomever, and there are those who never give a gift of flowers. So if you've given flowers recently to someone, stand up. Let's see, way to go, way to go, bros, yeah. Okay, I got one more for you, one more, and I don't want you to respond by standing up, and I don't want you to respond by calling out, but I, I do want you to think, to think about how you would respond to this, all right? Two kinds of guys at Christ Community Church. There are those who view porn and those who don't. Just got really quiet in this place. The porn is not something that you ever expect to hear a, a sermon on at church, right? But 
Why shouldn't we talk about porn here? It's something that's doing incredible damage in people's lives. And Christ Community Church is a place where we like to equip people to fight self-destructive habits and to live vibrant, purpose-filled, Christ-honoring lives. I mean, that's why we're doing this current six-week series about lies. Lies we tell ourselves and the truths that set us free. So today we're tackling, this is the fourth installment of the series, we're tackling the lie, porn doesn't hurt anyone. Porn doesn't hurt anyone. I want you to turn with me, if you brought a Bible, to Matthew chapter 5, okay? First book in your New Testament, Matthew 5. Today's passage is an excerpt from Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount. Now, before we, we take a look at what Jesus says about the tremendous damage that porn will do to our lives, I want to give you some current statistics about so you know how pervasive a problem this is. I mean, this is really widespread, probably more so than you even think. So here are a bunch of uh, uh, statistics. You might want to jot these down. In fact, throughout this sermon today, you're going to hear a lot of practical suggestions. So even if you're not a regular note taker, you might want to reach for that pen now. There are going to be stuff here, uh, information here that you're not going to want to miss. You're going to want to take home with you. So here's some statistics having to do with porn. 42 million porn sites online these days. 42 million. 25% of all internet searches, a quarter of all searches are for porn. 35% of all downloads are porn. I mean, as a, as a business, the porn industry makes more money every, every year than the NFL, the NBA, and the MLB combined. More money. The most popular porn site in the world today, and I'm not going to give you its name, but it started back in 2007. It had 134 hours of video to watch at the time. Today, that same porn site, largest in the world, 1.5 million hours of video to access. 92 billion uh, videos were viewed in the last, uh, last year on that particular porn site. And by the way, that porn site is quick to point out that they, they actually respect women. Uh, and the reason they say that is because the last time the International Women's Day rolled around, uh, they closed down their website for 24 hours and they posted a notice. The notice says it's important to remember that women are not simply sex objects, but are our equals and deserve respect. Can you believe the hypocrisy of that statement? You know, but it's a line, listen friends, it's a line that's becoming more and more popular in our culture today. The, the line is that porn doesn't hurt anybody. It's an innocent pleasure, an innocent pass. It's a rite of passage for teenage guys. It, it provides creative ideas for couples with respect to their love life. And if, if, you're, if you don't have a partner, it's an outlet for you. It's a stress reliever. Yeah, a guy named George Barna, who's a pollster, he did a a survey of 3,000 young people, and he asked them to rate a number of activities in terms of their immorality. Rank these activities in terms of their immorality. Watching porn was somewhere near the bottom of the list. Not recycling was much higher on the list than watching porn. Not so if you threw your milk carton into the garbage instead of recycling it today, you dirtbag. It has. Yeah. Not recycling. More immoral than watching porn today. Well, here... At Christ Community Church, we don't rate right and wrong on the basis of popular opinion. We look to God's timeless word for our moral standards. And today we're going to take a look at what Jesus said about this subject of porn. 
Now, Jesus obviously wasn't thinking about porn on the internet. There was no internet. Or porn in glossy magazines that men buy or in steamy movies on cable TV. But Jesus did address the driving motivation behind porn, and that's lust. So let's take a look at what Jesus said about lust. Is lust, is lust serious business? Or is it, it's just not a big deal. Or is it somewhere in between? If your Bible is open to Matthew 5, I'm going to pick it up at verse 27 and read you a portion of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So if your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. If your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, God, for addressing such a contemporary pertinent subject to our lives. Now, Jesus is giving us at least three warnings here about the damage that porn can do to our lives. And, 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 and by the way, if it sounds today like I'm addressing mostly guys and not women, it's because I am. <laughs> and, and, and one of the reasons for that is that porn is a much bigger problem for men than it is for women. Although the women are catching up, According to a recent survey, 35% of women 25 years of age and younger view porn on a regular basis. 35%, one out of three. But, but the guys still outpace the women by far. Even church-going men. The statistic for church-going guys, 68% of church-going men view porn on a regular basis. So that's why I'm addressing, I'm also addressing guys because Jesus in this passage seems to be addressing guys. He's talking about anyone who looks at a woman lustfully. So Jesus must know that this is more a guy problem than a women's problem. And, and another reason I'm addressing guys is because I, I don't know what pornography is like, how to deal with it as, as a woman, but I do know as a guy what it's like. I understand it a little bit better. So three dangers that we need to avoid. Okay, here's the first one. Write it down. Okay, lust leads to adultery. Lust leads to adultery. I want you to look again at verse 28. Jesus says, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So Jesus equates lust with adultery. Now, we're talking about the seventh commandment. You know, seven of the, the, in, in the, in the big ten, you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus says that lust is adultery in the heart. Jesus says that when a, a guy looks lustfully at a, at a woman, and by the way, the, the verb here, looks, okay, in the original Greek text, it's in the present tense, which signifies continuous action. So he's not talking about a guy who casts a, catches a passing glimpse of a good-looking woman. He's talking about a guy who looks. You follow me? Guy who looks at a woman long enough to, in his imagination, take off her clothes or touch her or have sex with her. In his imagination, looks lustfully at a woman. Has committed adultery in his heart, Jesus says. Now, as I reflected on this truth this past week, it occurred to me, 
you know, that real life adultery and porn have several things in common. First of all, there's an inappropriate relationship. Okay, there's an illicit relationship going on. Now, in real life adultery, a guy carries on an illicit relationship with a, a live woman who, who's not his wife. What about porn? Well, some people say, you know, no, porn's not about a relationship. Porn's just about a little sexual stimulation. There's nobody else involved. So no, far, no, no harm, no foul, right? But the experts would disagree with you. They would say that porn is about a relationship, at least the craving for a relationship. Craig and Jen Ferguson have co-authored a book called Pure Eyes, Clean Heart. It's about their journey to freedom from pornography, and this is what they write in their book. The situations in pornography show ready and available women. They depict women who crave men. This is designed to prey upon the strong desire of each man to be wanted. Let me repeat that last line. <clears throat> the strong desire of each man to be wanted. See, behind our sex drive is a hunger for relationship. And that's exactly how God intended it to be. When God designed sex, he designed it to be the super glue that would hold a husband and wife together for life. It's meant to be a permanent bond. God didn't intend sex to be a temporary bond where a guy hooks up, he connects with a, a woman, and then pulls apart, whether that woman is live or online. God never intended sex to be the sort of thing where you, 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 know, you connect and then you pull apart and then you connect with somebody else and you pull apart and you connect with somebody else and you, and, and you pull apart. Over time, what that does is it shreds the fabric of a guy's relational life. When a, when a guy is doing this with porn, I mean, there's a sadness to it. You know, because the experience of relationship, which sex is supposed to cement, is lacking in reality. It's not there, really. I mean, imagine this, if you would. You go to Disney World with your family or with a group of friends. What is the one thing you never see at Disney World? Okay, you never, ever see anybody there solo, right? I mean, they, they might momentarily look like they're all alone, but then you see, oh, they're actually with a group of people. Imagine if you would seen someone there solo. Every time you see them on a ride, they're by themselves. They're eating ice cream by themselves. Okay, they're sitting in the concerts by themselves. Wouldn't it just break your heart? That's what's going on with porn. A guy craves relationship, just like in adultery, but in reality, he's all alone. He's got a pseudo-relationship, a fake relationship with a woman on a screen, and he, he imagines she actually wants him, but he's delusional, and it's sad. Here, here's another obvious commonality between adultery and, and, and porn. Illicit relationship, first of all. Second, you got sex. And maybe you commend yourself as a married guy because you never have sex with anybody other than your wife, and yet you look at porn. And your rationale is, well, see, porn is not real sex. And it's real sex that's the no-no, right? So you'd never do that. You'd never cheat on your wife that way. But porn doesn't involve sex. Well, yes, it does. You know, it's called masturbation. No wonder Jesus links porn with adultery. You've got an illicit relationship. You do have sex. Third, adultery and porn both involve deceit. They involve cover-up. This past year, a good friend of mine, 
shared with me that her husband's been cheating on her. And I think I may have, have used this as an illustration this past year. And uh, the way she found out, it was kind of crazy. Uh, he was actually sending a text to his mistress, written a text for his mistress, and he sent it to his teenage daughter by mistake. Yeah, ouch. See, adultery is done in the shadows. Adultery is done in secret, and so is porn for the most part. I mean, there, there may be times when a group of guys views porn together on a sports bus coming home from basketball practice at high school or on a business trip or at a bachelor party, but most often, guys are fairly covert about their porn habit. They, they delete their browsing history from their phone. They don't want anybody to see it. Okay, they, they do their web browsing after their wife is asleep in bed. If they're out of town and they're seeing something in their hotel room on TV, a movie they shouldn't have rented, they make sure that the desk clerk uh, deletes it from the bill. They pay for it separately because they don't want a record of it. Deceit, cover-up, because most guys would be embarrassed, even ashamed, if their porn-viewing habits were known. So porn and adultery have a lot in common. Illicit relationship, sex, deceit. No doubt about it, porn leads to adultery. Or as Jesus would say, to engage in porn is to engage in adultery of the heart. Number two, here's the second danger. It leads to hell. It leads to hell. Now, Jesus makes several really shocking statements in today's scripture. And one of them is, and Jesus says it two times to make sure we don't miss it, that, that, that lust or porn get, can get you thrown into hell. Okay, thrown, thrown into hell. Look at the closing lines of both verses 29 and 30. Jesus says that, you know, we better take drastic steps in dealing with porn because it is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into, where? Say it with me. Hell. Hell. Now, I think that Jesus' reference to hell here can be taken both literally and figuratively. I mean, literally, hell is a real place. And if you're thinking, oh, this is just kind of a passing doctrine in the Bible, that, you know, it's not a big deal with God. Nobody talked more about hell in the Bible than Jesus. Jesus talks more about hell in the Bible than anybody else, and it's because he wants to make sure that we, we don't end up there. It is a place of God's eternal judgments, uh, judgment against our sins. You know, people end up in hell because, the Bible teaches, they refuse God's gift of forgiveness and eternal life. And Jesus purchased this gift for us. Jesus bought it at the cross. Because at the cross, he paid the penalty for our sins. It, it, it's our sin that breaks a relationship with a, with a holy God so that we could never enter his eternal presence. It's our, our sin that damns us to hell. But Jesus took our sin on the cross, paid the penalty we deserve to pay, which is death, was raised from the dead, and now he lives to offer you as a gift, as a gift, forgiveness and eternal life. Now, the question is, how do you know if you've ever surrendered to Jesus and received this gift? We talk a lot at, at Christ Community Church about that first step in a relationship with Christ. You've got to surrender your life to him. How do you know if you've done that? How do you know if you've received the gift? Well, according to the Bible, the proof is your life begins to change. And, and, and suddenly you start turning your back on sins that you used to wallow in. 
So if lust, if porn is still dominating your life, if you are feeding it instead of fighting it, if you're feeding it instead of fighting, that could be a sign that you've never truly surrendered your life to Jesus to begin with. I mean, 1 John chapter 1, verse, verse 6 puts it really bluntly. It says, if we claim to have fellowship with God and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and don't live out the truth. So if we say, you know, I got a relationship with God, but we're walking around in darkness when it comes to sexual sin, don't miss this. We're still headed in the wrong direction. We're still under God's condemnation. We're still headed toward hell. Someone may object, well, you know, but wait a second. Christ followers aren't perfect. We all continue to sin, right? Right. But real Christ followers, I said this a moment ago. Let me underscore it here. They fight their sin. They don't deliberately feed it. Big difference. So if you're not actively resisting porn in your life, that's a bad sign. I mean, Jesus says, and I want to keep emphasizing Jesus says, because some of you are going to leave here today and you're going to say, well, Jim said, you know, you look at porn, you're going to hell. Let me tell you what Jesus said. Jesus said, if you're not resisting a pattern of sin in your life, it's an indication you're not saved yet. You've never surrendered to him. You're still under God's judgment. Yes, you're headed to hell. Now, that could be remedied. It could be remedied today if you look at your life and you say, oh, goodness, you're describing me. Jesus holds out the gift of forgiveness and eternal life today to you, and he says, surrender to me. And so I would encourage you, guys especially, if this is one pattern of sin that kind of reveals you've never surrendered to Christ, before the day's out, find a quiet place, get on your knees, say, Jesus, I'm going back to square one because it's evident I've missed something along the way, and I need to surrender my life to you. I want, I want you to become the Savior, the King of my life. I want to learn what it means to follow you and to walk in moral purity. Do it today. Hell. Hell. Now, I think that Jesus' warning about hell in today's passage can also be taken figuratively, not just literally. Lust or porn can lead to a hellish life in the here and now. Okay, when Jesus talks about hell in this passage, the word he uses in the original Greek New Testament is the word Gehenna. It was actually the name of a place. Okay, there was a place outside of the walls of the ancient city of Jerusalem on the south side of town. There was a ravine, and that's where they burned their garbage. The garbage of the city was constantly, the refuse was constantly being burned there. It was called Gehenna. So you could see why it's a fitting picture for a literal hell. But it was also a, a stinky, gross garbage dump. And I think what Jesus is saying here is lust, is porn. What it's going to do, it's going to trash your life. It's going to dump all sorts of garbage on top of you, rot, rotting hellish garbage on top of you. You say, like what? Let me give you a bunch of things that it's going to lead to. Okay, let's start with a debilitating addiction. You know what an, an addiction is, right? Something's got a hold of your life you can't break free from. It's the kind of thing you say, I'm never going to do that again, never going to go there again, never going to visit that website again, and you go there again and again and again and again. You can't break the pattern. Did you know that pornography is actually physically addictive? As sci scientists have discovered when you look at a sexually stimulating image, pornography, Okay, a hormone is secreted into your bloodstream called epinephrine. Epinephrine creates a chemical high. 
A chemical high, in fact, if you accompany it then with masturbation, it just under, we, we tend to think that masturbation is a release. It, it doesn't release you from lust. It reinforces lust in your life. So it's that much powerful the next time around. It's physically addictive. Let me tell you something else about the hellish nature uh, of porn. It has to do with a, with a hollow marriage. One Christian counselor puts it this way, when a married man uses porn, the sexual energy he has pledged to reserve for his wife is now being invested into his private fantasies. He is, in essence, embezzling from his spouse what is rightfully hers and is instead spending it irresponsibly, much as a gambler steals funds from his employer to support his habit. Embezzling. Like a gambler who steals funds from his employer to give it to his gambling. Let me switch the analogy for a minute here from embezzling to snacking. You know, guys, if you ever binge on junk food, maybe you keep a drawer of it at work and you spend a whole afternoon eating Hostess Twinkies and beef jerky and gummy bears and Snickers bars and then you go home and discover your wife has prepared this delicious meal for you and you have no appetite for it. That's what it's like with porn, speaking sexually. You have binged, you've been eating junk food, so to speak, sexually, and now there's no interest in your wife sexually. In fact, 56% of American divorces involve a husband who has, quote, an obsessive interest in porn. More than half of divorces cite porn as a contributing cause. Not only does this obsession cause a man to lose interest in his wife, it also increases the chances of literal infidelity, a guy fooling around with a, a real live woman by 300%. Now, you may, you may be sitting here thinking, well, I'm a single guy, I'm not married, this is not a problem for me. I'll watch porn now and someday, if I ever get married, I'll just stop looking at it. Really? You think that's how you're going to do it? You think that you could feed the lust monster today and someday just because you slip a gold wedding band on your finger, the lust monster going to shrug and say, okay, I'm gone. The time to stop feeding the lust monster is today. The time to, star to starve the lust monster is now. Here's another aspect, a hellish aspect of, of porn. It's a twisted perspective. You know, one former porn user put it this way. He says, I developed a callousness toward women. They existed for me. I visually used them. I controlled them in my fantasy world. People existed for my pleasure, and I existed to rule and indulge. See, that sort of perspective is diametrically opposed to what Jesus called the second greatest commandment. What's the second greatest commandment? What are we supposed to do for people around us? We're supposed to what? Love them. What does it mean to love somebody? It means to look out for their interests, to put their interests above our own. It means to treat them with respect as an image bearer. They bear God's image. It means to serve them. It doesn't mean to use them for our sexual pleasure visually. Here's another hellish aspect. Porn creates a violent culture. You know, a lot of porn displays abusive, sadistic, violent sexual behavior against women. 
Now, I know guys who've told me, they, well, I don't do that kind of porn. You know, I'm just into soft porn. I'm into that kinder, gentler kind of porn. Yeah, let me use an analogy with you here. Let's, let's suppose you're part of a bank robber team, and you're the getaway driver. That's the only thing you do. You just drive the car to get away, and your buddies go in to knock off the bank, and one of them shoots a guard, kills a guard, and they catch you. You are now guilty of murder. Did you realize that? You're guilty of murder. You say, wait a second, I had nothing to do with that. I didn't pull the trigger. I wasn't even in the bank. I was in the getaway car waiting for them to come out. You're guilty of murder. So guys, when we engage in even the softer forms of porn, we are contributing to a violent culture, a culture that is violent against women and against children. Here's another hellish aspect of porn, an, an undermined economy. I mean, you could probably guess this, but, you know, people wait, waste lots of time at work every day viewing porn. I read an article in my news magazine just a week or two ago. It was about a train conductor who was, who was watching an X-rated movie on his iPad, and he had neglected to turn off his microphone. And so, the, you know, the sounds of this X-rated movie were being broadcast to train, a whole train full of passengers. Now, as you, you would guess, the conductor got fired, but companies all across the country are losing work hours from their employees due to porn. And if you think this is not a big deal, last year, the estimated cost to businesses for loss of productivity due to porn was $16.9 billion. $16.9 billion. Here's another hellish aspect, a corrupted next-gen Next generation, the average age for a child to see porn these days is 11 years old, first exposure, 11. And by the time they're 14, 94% of kids have been exposed to pornography on a regular basis, 94%. Now, some of the research I did in preparation for this sermon revealed that pornography, its use by teens leads to increased teenage pregnancies, hindered sexual development, depression, distorted expectations regarding sexuality, and on and on it goes. You know, you got kids, you got grandkids. Are we contributing to a, to, to a world where kids are being corrupted like this? Here's a, here's a final bit of hell. It results in a distant God. Now, we're in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. We started in verse 27, but if you hop back up to verse 8 in a section referred to as the Beatitudes, one of the Beatitudes is, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. You want to see God in your life? And Jesus says it's, it's for the pure in heart. So if you're, if you're corrupting your heart with porn, don't expect God to show up. Don't expect to see God at work in your life. You're forfeiting an intimate relationship with God, Jesus says. You know, not only that, the Bible teaches that when we persist in any misbehavior, whatever it is, including viewing porn, we grieve the Holy Spirit. This is Pentecost weekend where we celebrate the fact that when we surrender our lives to Jesus, we get the Holy Spirit on the inside. The problem is when we persist in a pattern of misbehavior, we grieve the Holy, we make him so sad. 
because he's up to conforming us to the image of Christ. That's what he's all about, and we're undermining his work in our lives. And if you're truly born again, if you truly belong to God, you're truly his child. The Bible also teaches that as a good father, there will be discipline for any persistence in this kind of behavior because God loves you so much, he wants to break that pattern in your life and bring you back to himself. You know, there's, there's hell to pay for porn. Porn leads to hell. And let me give you a third danger. Porn leads to war. Porn leads to war. Uh, Pastor Randy Elkhorn has written a book on sexual purity called The Purity Principle. Just finished it. It's recently out. It's a short book. It's a great book for men and for women. I'd highly recommend it, The Purity Principle. In the book, he tells the story of a guy who came to his office for counseling. The guy had fallen into sexual sin, uh, but he tells Pastor Randy, he says, and I'm mad at God. And Randy says, why are you mad at God? And he says, because I've prayed about this repeatedly, and God hasn't taken my bad desires away. So Randy continues to listen to this guy rant, and as he does, Randy starts moving a book across his desk, just pushing it toward the edge all the time, saying, don't let it fall, please don't let it fall, don't, boom, and then the book topples to the ground. And he looks at the guy and he says, now why did God allow that? I was praying that he wouldn't let it, let it fall. Why didn't God suspend the laws of gravity and keep the book from falling? You follow where he's going with this. He looks at the guy and he says, you know, you pray, God keep me from this, but you do nothing to cooperate with God? You know, God is asking you to take some drastic steps to rid your life of porn. Are you ready to declare war? Declare war on porn. Look, look again at Matthew chapter 5, verse 29. Jesus says we've got to be willing to gouge out our eye if that's what it takes to stop looking lustfully at women. Verse 30 says we've got to be willing to cut off our hand if that's what it takes to stop browsing porn websites on our phones or our, our PCs. Now, obviously, Jesus is using hyperbole here. He's using exaggeration to make a point. But what is his point? You know, he's, he's not suggesting that we literally gouge out our eye and cut off our hands. What he's saying is do whatever it takes to put a stop to porn in your life. Do whatever it takes. So let me close this sermon today by giving you some practical suggestions. This is what you, you probably want to jot down. I'm going to give them to you in four categories. Okay, and, and let me say from, from the outset, some of you are going to be sitting there thinking, oh, this is so over the top. Really? Well, I believe what Jesus said, that to beat some sins in our lives, we got to get drastic in our response. And so all I'd ask you is, what are you doing drastically to eliminate this particular sin from your life? Okay, so here's the first category, filters. I mean, you could put filters on your electronic devices that screen out porn. Filters work in basically two ways. Some filters work by not allowing you to go to questionable websites. So if you tap something in and the filter says, nah, that doesn't look good you know, to me, then you don't get to go there. Okay, other filters work by allowing you to browse wherever you want to go, but then they immediately send your browsing history to your spouse or to a, an accountability partner that you've chosen. My two favorite filters as I talk with guys, what's worked best for guys to put on your phone, to put on your laptop, Mobisip 
and covenant eyes. Jot those down and check them out, guys, to see what works for you. If you're a dad and you got teenage kids, check them out to see what will work for your kids. 75% of porn is viewed on cell phones. 75%. I've got a good friend who is a sexual addictions counselor. I'm regularly sending people his way. And he has said to me, he said, Jim, a cell phone is like crack cocaine when it comes to porn. So you'd, you'd just be foolish not to have a filter on your phone. I've had a filter on my cell phone for years now, and sometimes it's a royal pain in the neck because it stops me from going to an innocent place, but it's deemed it questionable. But I'll tell you what, I'll live with that for the protection I get from temptation ever being tempted by a few taps to go someplace. I really don't in my heart, my heart that wants to please God. I don't want to go there. And so it's, it's protection for me. Cable TV also needs a filter of, of sorts. And what I mean by that is that, that you could block out certain channels. Now, you know this. You know, Sue and I, uh, for years, we lived without cable TV. We don't watch a lot of TV. But a couple years ago, we broke down. We got cable TV. And immediately, I had Sue block out certain channels, movie channels, that I knew carried a lot of innocent movies, but also carried some trash. And if she's ever out of town and I'm sitting by my home, I don't want to be tempted to go there. So she's got the password. So if I'm going to watch a movie on that channel, she's the one who's got to access it for me. And let me, let me say here, filters are not just for the phones and laptops and TVs of our kids, though that is so important. And if you're, you're a parent and your kids, they've got a cell phone and there's no filter on it, I just want to say, what are you thinking? But, but it's not just our kids. It's for adults who want their lives to be free of sexual temptation, who want to walk in purity before God because they want an intimate relationship with him, who want to be used by God. Here's a, here's a second area, okay, uh, practical steps. Ha- has to do with distance, creating distance in our lives. You probably know the Old Testament story of Joseph, the young man who's walking for, working for a boss named Potiphar. And Potiphar's wife has got the hots for Joey, okay? So she keeps saying to Joseph, come to bed with me. And Genesis 39 verse 10 says that Joseph repeatedly turns down her invitations and refuses to go near her. He keeps his distance. This is a great strategy for dealing with porn in our lives, to keep our distance. Let me give you some examples of what that looks like in my life. And again, please, I am not saying that my rules should be your rules. I'm just trying to apply Jesus' teaching here about taking drastic steps against sexual temptation, to gouge out my eye, cut off my hand if that's what's necessary. So if it, if it fits for you, great. If you need something that, you know, you come up with great, but you got to apply Jesus' teaching somehow. So one, one of the things I do if I'm staying in a hotel room by myself, I almost never, never turn on the TV. My whole stay, if I'm there two or three days on business, just don't turn on the TV, don't need it. And I found out over the years, if I turn it on, I end up surfing around and finding stuff that's not really helpful for me. So I just don't turn it on. Something else I do, you know, distance. Something else I do, I avoid magazine racks. 
Okay, in fact, in the drugstore where I pick up my prescriptions every month for medications, there's a direct route back to the prescription desk right past the magazine rack, and I deliberately take another aisle. I go the long way around, because I, especially during that time of year when Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Issue comes out. And if you're a guy, don't tell me you don't know the time of year that happens. Okay, because I just don't want to face the temptation. I just want distance. You know, something else I do, and again, for some of you, you're going to say, wow, that's way over the top. Okay, it works for me. I don't have the Instagram app on my phone. I'm a grandpa whose kids constantly post pictures of my grandkids on Instagram, and I don't have the Instagram app because I had it, and what I discovered is that people also post pornographic pictures of themselves that are pretty easy to find. And I finally said, I don't need this, this temptation, and so I can watch pictures of my kids anytime I want on my wife's Instagram app. She'll show them to me. So again, feel free to say, oh, you're ridiculous, you're way over the top. My question to you is, what are you doing to gouge out your eye, to cut off your hand, as it were? Because Jesus says, this kind of sin requires drastic action to be. Here's another category, accountability. I've been meeting with the same accountability partner for a number of years now, every other week, Monday lunch at our favorite taco place. And one of the things we do, we, we drill down into this area of sexual temptation. We explicitly ask each other, have you put anything inappropriate before your eyes in the last couple of weeks since we last met? We, we've also read and discussed together a book called Sexual Sanity for Men. By the way, guys, this is the best book out there as far as I'm concerned. Okay, if you want to get one book on the, on the subject and read it, I would go for this. They've also come out with a new edition, Sexual Sanity for, for Women. If, if one of us stumbles in this area of sexual temptation, we feel like we did put something inappropriate in front of our eyes, we will talk with each other about what the trigger was. What was behind that? You know, why did you go there? Was it because you were tired, or you were frustrated, or you were discouraged, or you were bored, or you were on the outs with your wife? Why did that happen? We want to take it apart so it doesn't happen again. And of course, we pray for each other. You know, sexual temptation can't stand the light of day. That's the good news. You know, the minute we talk openly with a trusted accountability partner, temptation loses its power to control us. A few years ago, three years maybe, I was having breakfast with a good buddy of mine. And at the end of the breakfast, I asked, as I always ask, hey, anything I could pray about for you? And he said, yeah, I'd be praying about a struggle I have. Yeah, a struggle. And I took a deep breath and I looked him in the eye and I said, is it porn? Now, I'm not sure why I ask that. It could be because the Holy Spirit put the idea in my head. We call that a prophetic gift in the New Testament when God gives you insight into something that you wouldn't have on your own. Or was it just the fact that I know 68% of church-going guys struggle with this? So it was a pretty obvious call, right? Is it porn? And the guy looked at me and he said, yeah, it is. And so we were able to talk we were able to bring it out in the open. I was able to immediately start praying for him. I was able to connect him with one of our pastors on staff who's battled with porn and come out on the winning side. 
So, so now he's got an, an advocate, he's got an ally, he's got a helper in, in the battle. And he said to me just a couple of weeks ago, he said, you know, I still look back on that, what you said to me, and it was a miracle. I can't believe you looked at me out of the blue and said, is it porn? That was such a God thing. And it was such a gift, he said. Because I've been walking in moral purity in that area of my life for three years now. You know, guys, God wants to bust you loose. He doesn't want you caught in the quagmire of a problem like this, sacrificing an intimate relationship with him, pouring all your energies into something that's not purpose-filled. He's got a mission for you in life. Don't blow it on something like porn. He wants to set you free so that you can love if you're a married guy, so that you could love your wife like you should. He wants to set you free if you're single, if you're a teenager, because he doesn't want you caught in this now and then have to try to figure out how to get out of the shackles somewhere down the road. God loves you that much. You know, the last category I want to mention to you is resources. You need some resources. The best resource out there that I can offer you is that on Tuesday nights, we do this thing called Care Night at all of our, our campuses. And there are groups where guys meet together and talk about how to win the war with sexual temptation, with porn in particular. Okay, and, and if it's as pervasive a problem as it is, there should be a lot of guys who are willing to say, I could use that, and that would help me. Tuesday nights, you know, come and learn how to do battle in, in this regard. Another resource, Christian counselors. You know, if this has gone on for some time and it's got its tentacles wrapped around you, maybe you need the help of a Christian counselor to break free of this addiction because it's an addiction. And we could put you in touch with a Christian counselor. Books, several great books. You've heard me mention a couple. Uh, the Purity Principle that I just read, really great book and a short book, quick read, and Sexual Sanity for Men or for Women. There's a, another book that's been around for some time. It's a classic. It is a wonderful book called Every Man's Battle. They've now come out with it, Every Young Man's Battle. They've come out with it, Every Woman's Battle, okay? So th those are some resources that will help you do battle against porn because porn leads to adultery and porn leads to hell. Porn leads to war. We've got to fight the fight. Now, here's what we're going to do in closing. We're going to sing not one. We're going to sing two songs. We felt we needed two worship songs after a sermon like this. And we're going to move into them with a time of prayer. I'm going to give you about 60 seconds of quiet prayer because this is a really, really important topic today. My prayer for you has been all week long, you guys. I've been saying to the Lord, you know, this is the devil's tool, this thing. It is, it is demonic. And if it's got its, its hold on you, only with the help of the Holy Spirit of God are you going to break free and walk in purity, wholesomeness. And so my prayer for you is that this would be a ma major watershed in your life, that you would drive a stake in the ground, even if it's only been an incidental problem every once in a while, that you would say, no more, not a mas, it's done. So as we go to prayer, I encourage you, men, pray for yourself. Ladies, you know, especially younger women, if you've struggled in this area, as the statistics now say, there's a growing number of you who are struggling, say no. God, with your help, no. If, if you've been crushed by pornography because you're married to someone who's caught in the grip of it, 
And it's not only breaking your heart, it, it makes you feel dirty. We want to pray for you, too. So, you know, pray for all of the folks who come to mind, yourself included, over the next 60 seconds. I know that's not a long time to pray, but it'll get us started down the right road. And then we'll sing some songs that will just sort of underscore the forgiveness that Christ offers and the new life that he wants you to live. So would you bow your heads together with me and let's pray. Just pray from your heart.